Let's talk finance. Wouldn't it be convenient to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one spot? Yahoo Finance does just that. It consolidates your portfolio views and offers expert analysis, making it easier to manage your investments. Let's not beat around the bush. You want to grow your portfolio, fight inflation, pay off debts, and achieve financial freedom. Yahoo Finance provides the news, data, and tools to make that happen. You may think you've covered all the bases, savings, researching, and investing smartly. But to truly excel, you need Yahoo Finance in your corner. A holistic perspective is crucial for success, and Yahoo Finance ensures you have it. With a massive community of over 90 million users monthly, Yahoo Finance is here to guide you on your path to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. We all make mistakes, decisions that we regret, things we'd like to do over, like not buying Bitcoin when you first heard about it at $1. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. At times, therapy has helped me and my loved ones in many ways. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major traumas. With the right guide, you can discover effective strategies to minimize distractions and truly connect with your needs, setting the stage for a more balanced life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge take a moment visit betterhelp.com gold today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp help.com slash gold the peter schiff show on monday the markets got the first chance really to react to the failure of the Republican Congress and President Trump to repeal and replace Obamacare with something uh, more palatable. And as a result, the market declined. I think at the lows, the Dow was down maybe 200 points, although the buy the dippers came out. And by the end of the day, I think the Dow was only down about 50 points. But it was the eighth consecutive down day for the Dow, which I think was a tie for the longest losing streak since 2011. Now, had the Dow been down again today, it would have been the longest losing streak since sometime in the 1970s. So I guess it wasn't that surprising that the Dow rallied. In fact, we were up about 150 points. So we more than wiped out yesterday's losses. On the other hand, the dollar sold off yesterday and actually traded with a 98 handle for the first time since, I think, a couple of days after the election in November. So almost all of the Trump-related dollar rally had uh, been eviscerated, although the dollar rallied back today. In fact, it closed above 98. I think it was 99.20 or so at the close, and it rallied, you know, closed just under 99.70 today. The pound was weak. I think the Scottish now are getting ready to have another referendum whether or not they want to leave the UK, which has already voted to Brexit, right, to leave the EU. And of course, remember, the Scots didn't want to leave. They wanted to stay a part of the EU. So they, you know, narrowly rejected an independence referendum before 
when the UK was still part of the EU. Now that they're leaving, the Scottish, well, they're going to have another vote. So that's, you know, made people nervous in, in the pound. And maybe that helped push the dollar down. But still, we're below 100 on the dollar index. We're at 99.69, the last I checked. Also, gold. Gold got back up to 12.60 yesterday. At one point, it was almost up about 18, 17, 18 bucks. I didn't see it hit 12.61. The highest I saw was like 12.60.20. But I don't know what the high was. That the high that I, I remember looking at my screen, and that that's where I saw it. But that was about the high for the year. You know, the last time the gold rally stalled out, it was about 1260, although the gold stocks had started falling about a week before the gold price topped out. Then we got the pullback, and now we've rallied all the way back. Gold was down a few bucks today, but still closed above 1250. We have resistance at 1260. I think we will will take it out. Silver was actually up again today, added to yesterday's gain. We're now holding above 18. I think the last I saw was 18.17 or so for the price of silver. So gold and silver going up, the dollar going down. We did get a rally in the bond market yesterday, gave back some of that today. But I think that today's rally was more of a technical bounce. And again, you still have this buy the dip mentality. But as I said during my last podcast, I think the Trump trade is over. I think all the irrational exuberance is going to fade. In fact, we got another good uh, contrarian indicator today. The Michigan uh, Consumer Confidence number came out. I think it's the highest it's been. I don't know if it's the highest it's been ever, but uh, 125.6. Yeah, you got to go all the way back to December of 2000 to get a number that high. And I think the highest that I remember it being was in January of 2000. Consumers were even more confident then. And of course, what happened uh, within a couple of months of January 2000, wait, March 2000, that's when the NASDAQ bubble burst. But in January of 2000, hey, the sky was the limit. Remember, people thought that the NASDAQ, which was at 5,000, was going to equal the Dow, which was you know 10,000 at the time. And so people were very optimistic. A lot of people were getting rich on paper. And so consumers were very confident. Of course, the confidence was was false. They shouldn't have been confident. They should have been nervous, uh, but they weren't. And then, of course, when George Bush beat Al Gore in that nail biter where he lost the popular vote, but still won in the Electoral College, uh, Republicans were very relieved that Al Gore wasn't president and that Clinton was gone. And now we had George Bush coming in. He was going to cut taxes. He was going to deregulate and Republican consumers got very confident again. And Republicans haven't been this confident since that point in time. In fact, if you look at the breakdown of the consumer confidence politically, the Democrats are as pessimistic as they've ever been. I mean, the Democrats think a recession is coming. You have this wild pie in the sky optimism on the part of the Republicans. And, you know, this is one of the few times, maybe it's one of the only times, that the Democrats are right. Right? The Democrats are correct to be pessimistic. Now, let me qualify that. They're pessimistic for the wrong reasons. So they're still wrong, right? If you're right for the wrong reason, well, you're still wrong. So you're, you're accidentally right. So the Democrats have it right, but not for the reasons they think. But the Republicans believe that, yes, if we did have deregulation and we did have tax cuts and all this good stuff happened, then that would be a positive. 
But unfortunately, it can't happen. It's not going to happen because the economy is a disaster. A lot of these Republicans that are confident don't understand how bad the economy really is. They don't realize how screwed up it is because for, you know, 100 months or so, we've interest rates have been at zero or practically at zero. And we had three rounds of quantitative easing. The Federal Reserve screwed up this economy in a much more profound way than it did during the 1990s or in the 2000s. And the same consumers that were wildly optimistic before the tech bubble burst, that were wildly optimistic before the housing bubble burst, right, that were wildly optimistic when uh, Bush was elected, these are the same consumers that are fooled all over again, right? They're, they're again, like lemmings going over the, the edge of a cliff. They're all, like, optimistic. And that's, you know, that's human nature, right? I mean, you want to be optimistic, right? A lot of people want to believe that things are going to get better. And of course, when the stock market goes up, people feel better because they're richer. At least they think they're richer on paper. And so that's why people were so confident in January of 2000, because on paper, a lot of people were rich and that made people feel good, right? And so that's what consumer confidence is a measure of how do you feel? And obviously you feel good when the market is up, but the market might be up because it's a bubble. It might be a good time to sell. But, uh, you know, the consumer, the stock investor doesn't realize that. And I think this is another point in time where you have consumer confidence as a contrarian indicator. In fact, I will go out on a limb. I think that this is the high. I think the March consumer confidence number of 125.6, my bet is that it's all downhill from here. Because I think that survey was taken, right, before the Dow was down for eight days in a row. More importantly, before the effort to repeal and replace Obamacare went down in flames. So I think that's a pretty good warning sign that things on the Trump highway to heaven are not going to go as smoothly as a lot of these Republicans are hoping for. So I bet that's the high point in the Consumer Confidence Index. We'll see what happens in the next few months. But I think that people are start, you know, going to think about reality. You know, that's going to set it a little bit more as a lot of this, you know, hype, right, is not going to be uh, validated by reality. You know, just like the constituents for Barack Obama, right? They elected Barack Obama, hope and change, right? The Democrats were very optimistic and nothing changed. You know, their hopes turned out to be uh, misplaced. Well, I think there's not going to be a lot of hope and change under Donald Trump. I think Republicans now are probably even more optimistic than Democrats were then. And just like the Democrats were disappointed by Obama, the Republicans are going to be disappointed by Trump. And it's not, you know, that I'm, it's not that I'm just saying bad things about Trump. It's just that the economy is a complete disaster. There's, there's no way to stop this collapse from happening. All you can do is delay the day of reckoning, but only, only at the consequences of making it all worse. So it's a hollow victory if all you succeed in doing is postponing the pain, but the pain is now going to be more agonizing because you postponed it. Better to, you know, get it out of the way, right? Don't peel the Band-Aid off slowly. Just rip it off. Get it out of the way, right? But nobody wants to do that because politically it doesn't work. That's why they couldn't repeal Obamacare, because politically they're stuck. You know, ever since Barack Obama, and he's got to be smiling, you know, from ear to ear now, he created this entitlement, this health care as a right. Health care is not a right, right? There's nothing in the Constitution that guarantees you the right to health care, right? They don't mention doctors in the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence. They don't mention health care. None of that is there. 
Now, yes, you have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but that does not mean health care. Now, I know people say, well, how can you have life unless you have health care? Well, you can't have life unless you have food. You don't have a right to food, right? You can't have life unless you have shelter. You can't just live out in the cold. Uh, you know, you need cl- you also you need clothing. You just can't be out there naked, right? How are you going to live if you don't have clothes? So, you know, you don't have a right to clothes, right? None of these things you have a right to. Because think about it. You only have a right to things that you can create on your own, right? You have a right to eat, but you don't have a right to the food that you eat. Because where's the food going to come from? I mean, some farmer has to grow it, but you can't force a farmer to grow food for you to eat. You can't constrict a farmer into involuntary servitude, right? Involuntary servitude, well, that's banned by the 13th Amendment, right? So if you can't force a farmer to grow you food, right, you don't have a right to food. You have a right to grow your own food. You have a right to buy food from somebody who wants to sell you theirs, but you don't have a right to food. You don't have a right to eat, right? You don't have a right to, to shelter, right? But just know, who's going to build you your house, right? None of these things are rights. Just like medical care, if you have right, if people think they have a right to medical care, well, that means some doctor is your slave. Some doctor is forced to provide you with medical care. How can that be? This is America. This is the land of the free. Nobody is born into servitude. No doctor has to help you for free, right? Becoming a doctor takes a lot of work. You got to study hard in school. You got to give up a lot of fun that a lot of people have, you know, in high school and college, you know, I mean, a lot of people are partying and having a good time while all the guys that become doctors are studying, right? So, you know, they don't owe you anything because they did that, right? I mean, they don't have to provide medical care for free. But that's what, when people say they think they have a right to health care, that means they think somebody else is responsible to provide them with health care for free. So there is no right. But once the public, once the voter believes that they have something, you can't take it away, right? People will defend something that they have more than they're trying to get it. So before healthcare was a right, you know, you could vote against giving them the right, right? Just like, look, all these Republicans, a lot of them were against Social Security when Roosevelt first concocted the idea, right? They were rightly against it. Now they're all in favor of it. Why? Because now people think they have something and nobody wants to take it away. You had the same thing with Medicare. A lot of these Republicans were against uh, Medicare, Medicaid, rightfully so. But now they're all for it because nobody wants to take it away. Same thing with the Civil Rights Act. A lot of people were against the portions of the Civil Rights Act that made it illegal for private parties to discriminate. Now, as far as I'm concerned, that was a loss of civil rights. Look, I am all in favor of governments not being able to discriminate. Governments have to treat everybody equally. right? That's the government. And in fact, one of the reasons we had all kinds of segregation in the South was because the government required it. So, you know, even if you, uh, you know, let's say you were a white restaurant owner and you wanted to have bathrooms that were, you know, didn't matter what color you were, you just wanted to have one bathroom, the law required you to have one for whites and one for blacks. That was the government mandating discrimination. Now, if a private restaurant owner on his own wants to choose to have, you know, bathrooms for different races, I mean, that, that's, that's his prerogative. And if people get disgusted by that, if somebody walks into that restaurant and sees, you know, that this bathroom is for whites and this one is for blacks, if that so disgusts people that they don't want to eat there anymore, well, that's his loss, right? I mean, there were a lot of people who objected to the government telling private people that they can't discriminate. 
Because discrimination, and that's what makes us human. We all discriminate in our in our in our lives. I mean, to have discriminating tastes. When someone has discriminating tastes, that's a compliment. That's not an insult, right? And so, you know, discrimination for private citizens was fine. But now, of course, you know, now they've created this phony civil right where supposedly people could demand that other people, you know, not discriminate against them. Look, I look, I don't care. I'm white. If somebody wants to discriminate me because I'm white, look, I don't care. I'm Jewish. If somebody doesn't want to do business with me because I'm Jewish, I'm fine with that. You know, that's their right. Uh, you know, I'm straight. If somebody wants to discriminate against me because I'm straight. Look, I would say the same thing if I was black and I was gay. I wouldn't care if I was black and somebody didn't want to uh, serve me in their restaurant or somebody didn't want to hire me because I was black. Hey, fine. Fine. I don't want to I don't want to work for a guy that doesn't like blacks anyway. If I'm black, I don't want to eat in some restaurant where the guy's a racist. Fine. I'll find I'm going to eat the restaurant where the guy's not a racist. And, it's you know, most people aren't racist. Most people could most people want to eat in a restaurant that has good food. They, they, they don't care about the color of the, the restaurant owners. They just want people with money. They want well-behaved people to come in and, you know, eat in their restaurant. Just not, you know, pay the bill and, 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 be, and behave. And the customers, they don't care if the restaurateur is white, black, Jewish, Gentile, gay, straight. They want a good meal. That's all we care about. It's quality. It's the government that gets all involved. But, you know, and I've said this before, because the government has created all these phony rights, right, well, now, now people discriminate. Because now, you, I mean, now you're going to get sued left and right. I mean, now you're guilty until you're proven innocent. You know, you're an employer, you're a small employer. You know, you hire a, a black employee. He's not working out. You let him go. Next thing you know, you're sued for discrimination. Why didn't you fire the white guy? Well, now you, now you got to prove. I mean, why should you have to do that? I mean, this is, an un, this is a huge burden, an unnecessary burden for an employer. But all this stuff, there were Democrats even that were against this. But now nobody's against it because now there's some perception if you're a minority. And, and almost everybody's a minority these days, right? Because if you're a woman, you're a minority. That's half the country. But if you're gay, uh, if you're um, uh, handicapped, I mean, whatever, all these various uh, groups that have been created, they now have all these rights, which means that if people don't treat you the way you feel you should be treated, you get to sue them, right? And now, you know, but nobody wants to take away. It's like, Civil rights. Well, you know, they took away the right to discriminate. That is a right. That is the right that people have. Now, imagine if they did that in our personal lives, right? What if they did that? I mean, they've done that in our business lives. They still haven't done that. Like if you're as an individual, right, as an employer, when I go to hire somebody, I can't discriminate. But employees can discriminate all they want. So if you want to work for a white person, if you're white and you want to work for a white boss, you're, you could do it. In fact, you can tell if you go and on a job interview and the guy trying to hire you, it's a small business and he's black. You could basically say, you know, if I realized a black guy was running this company, I wouldn't have come in for this job. I just I don't like blacks. I don't want to work for black. So I'm, I, thank you. I don't want this job. I'm going to go work for your competitor. You could do that. The black businessman can't sue you for discriminating. Now, why? I mean, if your bosses can't discriminate, well, workers shouldn't be able to discriminate either. Right. It should go both ways. It should be an even street. Right. So if you're going to have if you're going to have something like this, make it apply both ways. But of course, nobody wants to do that politically. I mean, nobody wants to give the employer the power to sue a job applicant for turning down a job. Right now, you know, how might a a black businessman in a free market, let's say I really was a racist and I didn't want to work for the black boss. 
He might say, I'll tell you what, I'll give you an extra $5,000 a year. How's that? You know, you know, hey, maybe I'd say, all right, you know what? Hey, if you're going to pay me that much more than the white guy, I'll, I'll work for you, right? The free market will figure it out ultimately, right? You could get, you know, you could, could if he really wants to hire you and you don't want to work for him, well, you know, maybe he'll, maybe he'll give you a raise and then you'll overcome the discrimination, right? But, but imagine if, you know, in, in our personal lives, what about, what about in dating? What if, they, what, what, what if I asked out a, a, a woman? What if I, I asked out a woman? Let's say I asked out a black girl and she, she turned me down. What, what if I could file a lawsuit against her? So, you know, well, I think it's because I wasn't black. Maybe you just don't like white guys and you discriminate against me. You know, let's say she, she decided she didn't want to date me. Had nothing to do with my being white. She just didn't think I was handsome or I was too tall or I was too short or I was too skinny or I was too fat. There are a lot of reasons. She, or she just doesn't like me. But if I happen to be, you know, I can just sue her. Because right? that's what happens in, in, in employment law, right? You can fire somebody that happens to be black. And the blackness has absolutely nothing to do with why you fired them. And in fact, nobody, no employer, I mean, 99.9%, because yeah, there could be some racist employers out there. I'm not saying there aren't any, but there's a lot more racism in hiring today because people want to defend from getting lawsuits. And that's not racist. If you're trying to minimize your lawsuits, you're not being a racist. You're just being a smart businessman. But if a businessman fires somebody because they, you know, and, and they happen to be black, Black, their blackness has nothing to do with the fact that they're fired, but that's why they get sued. And now they got to prove. So if I could, if they made it personally, and if some woman doesn't want to go out with me because of whatever reason, I'm just a jerk and she doesn't want to go out with me, but now I sue her because, oh, I say it's because of my race, right? So nobody would really accept that on an interpersonal level, but somehow because we're a democracy, meaning more people have jobs and create them, it was very easy to say employers can't discriminate or Business owners, right? People who own restaurants can't discriminate against who eats there. But people who eat at restaurants, customers, they can discriminate all they want, right? I can go to a restaurant and see that there's a gay guy that owns it. And I can say, oh, I don't want to eat at a restaurant owned by a gay guy. I don't like gay people. I'm going to go next door and eat at the restaurant owned by a straight guy. That gay restaurateur cannot sue me. He has no recourse, right? But on the other hand, if I'm a gay guy and I walk into a restaurant and the guy says, no, we don't serve gays. I don't like gays. Well, now I got a lawsuit, right? It's all stacked uh, against the employer, against the restaurant, against the entrepreneur, because not that many votes are there, right? Most people don't have what it takes to start a business, to run a business, to hire people. When you're counting votes, right, that's what Willie Sutton used to say. Willie Sutton said, you know, why do you rob banks? Well, that's where the money is. Well, why do politicians constantly try to give out freebies to customers and workers, because that's where the votes are. If you simply win the employers and the entrepreneurs, well, you know, that's not enough to get you elected dog catcher. And that's the same thing that's going on with healthcare, right? Giving people something for nothing, a freebie. And now that they've created this entitlement, now that Barack Obama has told people that you get something for nothing, that's why if you go back and look at the debate about the health care bill, even though it never came to a vote, they were still debating it. And every time a Republican was going to talk about why he was in favor of this new thing, the Democrats would remind that member how many people in his district were about to lose you know, their health care, right? They were going to lose something that the government gave them. Of course, the government doesn't have anything to give. All they can do is steal. 
right? So the government had stolen something from somebody else and was giving it to a voter in exchange for his vote. And now if somebody voted to take away that which was handed to somebody, and again, they don't look at it as, hey, this I'm the recipient of something that was stolen. It's like mine. When you steal something and give it to a voter, now it's his, right? And so that's why I think, you know, when ultimately we have the financial collapse, the dollar collapse, and all of a sudden, you know, the welfare benefits, you know, don't buy anything. The food stamps don't buy anything because, you know, there's runaway inflation. People are going to be very, very upset, you know, that they, that they no longer have all their free stuff that they believe that they are entitled to. And now somebody has taken it away. And so they're going to act in a much different way than they would have had they never had it before. I mean, people were much more civil when things, you know, when things were bad during the Depression. People were self-reliant. I mean, people didn't expect anything from the government back then. Now everybody expects everything from the government, and now they expect health care. And so it's here. You know, and I, I don't know that, there's, that the Republicans are ever going to have the political courage to take this away. And so now they're moving on to tax reform. And that's, you know, one of the reasons now, I guess, there's still some optimism out there. I'm listening to these reports. Oh, well, you know, okay, strike one. But look, look we still have tax reform. We still have infrastructure, right? Well, that's not going to be enough. Right? That's not the markets have already been priced for perfection. And part of that perfection was getting rid of Obamacare. Not doing that is a big disappointment for the markets. And so notwithstanding today's rally that broke an eight day losing streak for the Dow, I think the short term trend is down in the market. I think the short term trend is down in the dollar. I think the short term trend is back up in gold. And once gold, you know, can crack through 1260, that's really some sizable uh, overhead resistance there. And of course, you know, the last time gold was at this level, gold stocks, the GDX was 10% higher than it is today. GDXJ was 20% higher. So even though we've fully recovered in the price of gold, we haven't even come close to recovering what was lost in gold stocks. So there still is a lot of skepticism out there, just like you have Consumers overly optimistic, you know, particularly, you know, about the market and about um, about the economy. They're overly pessimistic about gold. You know, if you want to look at this consumer confidence, when was consumer confidence at its nadir? Right. What was the lowest it got? And I think it was in early 2009. Right. That was like in the depths of the Great Recession. Unemployment was above 10 percent. The Dow Jones was what, 7000 or something like that, right near the lows. And I think the Consumer Confidence Index was 100 points lower, right? It was like, now it's 125.6. I think it was like 25. Was that a good indicator? I mean, if you are going to buy stocks based on the Consumer Confidence Index, right, you're going to be buying high and selling, selling low, right? When there's probably opportunity is when consumers are scared, when they're worried, right? That's when you're likely to get a good deal. When stock prices are high and consumers are exuberant, right? They don't see any problems. Everything is great. It can't get any better. Well, they're probably right. When it can't get any better, it won't. Just like when it can't get any worse, it won't. So I think that, you know, this is just another good contrarian indicator uh, that you have all this unwarranted, misplaced optimism out there that is going to fade over time as the economy weakens, as inflation accelerates, as the tax cuts end up being a lot smaller than people thought, and they don't do enough to stimulate the economy. The deficits end up being a lot larger than people thought, and I think those deficits will weigh down the economy. 
Ultimately, I think the Fed is going to give up on its rate hikes. It is going to start cutting rates. In fact, that's the only reason it's raising them, so it can cut them from a higher level. They are going to do QE4. It's only a matter of time, and none of this is in the dollar. None of this is in uh, the price of gold. I mean, they barely, the markets have barely come to terms with the fact that even if the Fed raises rates two more times this year, it's not enough. It's too little too late. And that's only an extra half a point by the time the Fed gets around to the second of those two hikes, the official inflation rate would have already risen by more than a half a percent. You know, by the way, too, I was reading this article about the fact that this is on Monday because on Monday there were some negative articles about how people were now disappointed because maybe, you know, the reflation trade was fading. There was all this optimism that the Trump stimulus, which includes getting rid of the drag of Obamacare, would result in stronger economic growth and rising consumer prices. And the article basically equated rising consumer prices with a strong economy, as if they were both a positive, and that now investors were disappointed that consumer prices weren't going to rise. I mean, why is the cost of living going up? Why is that good news? Right? And in fact, if you actually have a growing economy, a strong economy, which is producing more stuff, right? A strong economy means that more stuff is produced. And if you have a greater supply of stuff, what happens to price? It comes down. And as price comes down, more people buy, you have a better economy. People are living better. They're buying more stuff. Their standard of living is going up. So contrary to this Keynesian nonsense, a growing economy lowers consumer prices, not the reverse. It's inflation that causes consumer prices to go up. And sometimes inflation can create the illusion of growth because it pushes up the GDP when you don't have a deflator that, that accurately captures the true amount of inflation. But the irony here is that investors and consumers are half right. They're not going to get the growth that they think they're going to get, but they will get the inflation or they will get the consumer price increases. In fact, consumer prices are going to go up much faster than what people think and the economy is going to grow much more slowly. In fact, the economy may contract. So instead of getting this Trump reflation trade, we get the Trump stagflation trade. That's what's coming. And unfortunately, none of these pie-in-the-sky optimistic investors or consumers have any idea that that train is coming and they're about to get hit by it. Today's financial advisors behave like pro-wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. They may be oblivious, but the danger is real. Looking beyond the media hype can open a world of broader investing ideas. Euro-Pacific Capital is a registered investment advisor that offers stock-focused wealth management services that closely follow the strategy of our founder and CEO, Peter Schiff. We concentrate on those countries that are more closely in tune with Peter's vision of how capitalism is supposed to work. And these investments are not hard to find, provided you know where to look. Isn't it time you change the channel and let Euro-Pacific put a little reality back into your portfolio? If you live in the United States and have $25,000 or more to invest, call 800-727-7922. That's 800-727-7922. Non-U.S. residents access similar strategies through Euro-Pacific Bank at europacbank.com. Euro-Pacific Capital and Euro-Pacific Bank are affiliated companies. Hello, this is Peter Schiff. I bet you didn't know that without silver, you wouldn't be hearing this podcast right now or be able to use a computer at all. 
from laptops to smartphones to TVs to speakers. Virtually all modern electronics use silver to conduct electricity. Did you know that the average solar panel uses two-thirds of an ounce of silver to function? And the solar industry is expanding dramatically, not just in America, but in booming developing nations like China and India. Silver is naturally antibacterial and is used extensively in modern medicine. Silver coatings are being added to breathing tubes, bandages, catheters, and other medical instruments to reduce the spread of infections. When antibiotics fail, silver still works. I believe the 21st century will be the century of silver. As fiat currencies continue to collapse and new uses are found for silver every day, the white metal's strong industrial demand and low per ounce price will make it increasingly attractive to savers around the world. At today's prices, people of any age and background can afford to buy some silver. Learn why silver is a smart and reliable investment in my free special report, The Powerful Case for Silver. Visit shiftsilver.com and download it now. The Powerful Case for Silver includes information about silver's amazing chemical properties. It also explains why I believe silver may outperform gold in the coming years. Download The Powerful Case for Silver and educate yourself, your friends, and your family about the white metal. Just visit shiftsilver.com to download my free report. That's shiftsilver.com.